Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. Welcome to Ashley Talks Podcast. Today we have a fantastic guest, Amy Blaschka. She's a writer, a brand strategist, and a frequent speaker. She was named the top female influencer on LinkedIn in 2017, along with a couple of other women. I'm excited to have her here because she talks about storytelling, copywriting, and branding. She has earned very enthusiastic following on LinkedIn already, Thrive Global, and Medium, of course. In less than one year, She has reached more than 3 million views from her LinkedIn video updates and content updates. Amy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ashley. Happy to be here. Fantastic. Amy, tell us your story. How have you ended up being your own business owner, you know, copywriter um, and brand strategist? Oh my gosh. Well, it's it's not a linear journey, that's for sure. It's it's <laughs> taken some fun turns along the way, but I wouldn't have it any other way. So I should start by saying I thought I would be a filmmaker. You know, I that, and and that makes a lot of sense, right? Because filmmaking is about bringing a story to life. Um, but it's very visual as well. It, it has a written component, it has a narrative component to it. But I've always been attracted to working with people to really tell a story and bring those things to life. So when I went to university, I got a degree in visual arts and filmmaking. And shockingly, when I graduated, I could not get a job as a filmmaker. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't just you just go get a job, right? Okay. So what happened was I said, well, I really, I want to be doing something creative. I want to be in that environment. And like many people, I ended up in what I call agency land. So Mm -hmm. in advertising, in marketing, uh, PR, communications. Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show. All those things that seem to be really in my wheelhouse, like, oh, this is this is my environment. Right. And I did that for a while. And the truth of the matter is, though I consider myself a creative person, Where I excelled and what I ended up doing and following a path was on the account side because I was really good at dealing with different types of people. I think in part because people fascinate me. I, I, you know, because I want to know their stories, I want to know more about them. So it was very natural for me to kind of go down that route and um, become on the, be at the account side. I understood strategy, but I also understood the creative aspect. So Mm -hmm. in many ways, I was sort of that bridge between clients and the creative side. And I did that for many years. Um, And after I was in advertising, I, on a lark, just figured out that there was this company that was, I I had worked at Young and Rubicam Advertising in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And one of our sister companies was Landor Associates which was mm-hmm. a branding firm. And until that moment, we had a joint party, I think for Halloween or something. I had no idea that branding was a thing that you could get paid for. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, well, wait a minute. This is bringing together the visual and the verbal and all points of communication. And wow, that's cool. I want to do that. And ended up being a branding consultant for many years. And I loved that. Love, love, love that. And in many ways, though, I was still in that account side role, but I did do the strategy and I did do the you know branding and helped clients kind of bring their stories to life, but also understand the importance of consistency of messaging and how you present yourself. So telling your story, but being intentional with it 
and having the discipline and consistency to to always sort of have that um, that message and that brand really be strong to not waver and and go off into the Netherlands. And so I did right. that and I love that, but. Um, I was still technically on the account side and then I decided, you know, I loved traveling all over, but I wanted to have a family. And so my husband and I, um, had our first daughter and before it's about the time I was going to go back, um, to work. And I feel like I just, I probably just can't really do this. So I took a different detour and was a stay at home mom for a year, which no one that knows me believes that I actually, (laughs) I mean, I love my children, but it was like, really? And, um, anyway, I, I was there for about a year and, and my, um, both my daughter and I, we needed to talk to people our own age. So (laughs) she needed to socialize with other children and I wanted to get back into the workforce, but I knew I couldn't be traveling around like I used to. So I ended up again, like, you know, twists and turns, um, running as the CEO of a tourism entity, um, in the area and the destination where I was. And I loved that because again, I was sort of that liaison role. I was working with many different people and it was instead of a product or a person, it was bringing a destination story to life. So there is a common thread here in terms of storytelling. It just yeah. takes a funny route. Um, and then I worked in that, gosh, 15 years. I left um, the CEO role I was at and did more consulting. And I realized I really liked the freedom and autonomy of having my own business. Um, at the time, I was still doing strategy, but I was really yearning for those days where I was the content creator. I was the yeah. creative. I knew I was a creative person, yeah. but I was the one being paid to be creative. And this, you know, many, many years and kind of going back to, you know, being a filmmaker, even as a child, I loved to write and create. I finally, finally stepped out of hiding and really aligned with, you know, what I'm Who all you about. Are. Mm. Yeah. And I tell you what, it's, I've never looked back and I've been so happy because I finally feel like this is what I should be doing. This is what I'm, I've I've always helped people, but now I'm helping them by, you know, using all of those things I just mentioned, you know, they coalesce together and now I help tell their story so um, they can tell them to other people better. So helping them along the way. So it's all storytelling. It's just taken really a, a non-linear path to get there. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, can people learn to write better, right? Because when you tell a story, I mean, you've been creative from early on. And yes, at first you wanted to study videos and later on, I mean, you're good with words, right? You're good with stories. So what is the most important skill there? Can people learn it? Can anyone write well? Well, um, <laughs> I, I don't. I wouldn't say that anyone can write well. I mean, there are certain aspects to writing. There's, you know, grammatical things. There, right. You know, it. It. I think there are certain people, and a lot of my clients are this way. They are speakers or talkers. Right. They. They can tell me everything verbally, but they have a really hard time translating that to, you know, the written word. It's like, oh, Amy, gosh. And, and I was just talking to a client today. He, he's great. He's all over the place and, and lots of energy. But it, when it comes to pen to paper or, you know, keys to keyboard on a computer, he just gets stumped. So I, I think there's, there's, there are definitely um, folks like myself that help others that don't, writing doesn't come as naturally to, but I do believe everyone can be, everyone is a storyteller because you know what? Everyone has a story. I really do believe. And sometimes people don't even realize, you know, that they do have that story inside of them. And it takes someone like me to just sort of 
talk to them and, and bring it out and find a common thread or find something that they can really, oh, I really do have a story. You know, they may think I'm boring. I'd lead this life that's just very suburban <laughs> or very, you know, whatever, mild mannered. But there is really always something. Um, and I love finding that sort of um, special bit in their essence and bringing it to life through storytelling. But yeah, I think I think people can always get better. I can always get better. All of us can improve upon our skill set. Um, but a lot of it is just getting in touch with uh, really how you think about yourself. Yeah. And you know, I think that some of us um, get programmed at a very early age that we believe the stories that are told about us. So yeah, it might absolutely. be a teacher, a parent, a friend or a bully, somebody who might right. say, well, you're this or you're that. We get labeled early on and we carry those with us sometimes unconsciously that, you know, so those become the stories we tell ourselves. Um, so you, there's an aspect to really having some self-awareness about those stories that you tell yourself, whether they are actually true or, and are they yours or are you just kind of carrying them forward from somebody who made a comment to you at an early age that you just believe because it's been sort of programmed into you? So I, I work a lot with folks, too, to sort of change the stories that they tell themselves yeah. so you can better tell your story to others, your true story. Yeah, and that's absolutely, that's so, so, so important. And here in Asia, we're just starting discovering this, you know, what this inner voice is telling you. It's not really what it is. And living in a, such a culture where respect and, uh, uh, you know, faith is very, very important. You know, and the stories that we tell ourselves and others about ourselves are also, you know, very often uh, twisted and very often uh, <laughs> only show one side of what's going on. So uh, it, it's an absolutely, it's a very interesting, you know, uh, topic because you are doing a lot of business, uh, you know, storytelling and copywriting. And um, mm -hmm. you also basically work with people to rewrite their own story and make it, you know, more real, more believable and linked linked back to business, which is, which is what, what essentially it needs to be. Um, my other question is, you mentioned that you are, uh, you know, you, you learned how to create videos and how to be creative on camera. And right now mm -hmm. we live in the age where video rules, right? Even on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. that's yes. your platform. Oh, yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Even on LinkedIn, every day I see so many videos. I, even I myself started putting it out there just because it's so powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, do you think copywriting and words are still relevant? I mean, five years well, from a, now. <laughs> as a writer, I have to say yes. Um, <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I, I this, and this is the thing, and I may be biased because, you know, I mentioned I was a filmmaker. So even though I'm a writer, I'm a very visual person. So even my writing tends to be emotive and quite visual in nature because that's the way I see the world. I, I mean, literally, I see the world with my eyes and visual. But even when I'm writing, I want someone to be able to read my words and they, they form a picture in their mind. You know, they, they have a sense. It's very descriptive. So I, I do think that um, being able to articulate your story, to um, tell a narrative, to really connect with, you know, your intended audiences, whether it's just a, a single human being, it's, you know, a client base, you know, followers, whatever it is, I do think there is power in words. And, um, but the video aspect of it gives you that added element. So along with reading somebody's words, when you have video, you can see them speak those words. And it's not just seeing them speak. It's all of the other 
uh, visual cues that come into play. So their body language, how they are presenting themselves and if they're speaking to them. And, and the way I think about video, it's is really you're having a conversation. Yeah. That's all it is. And I know a lot of people get stressed out. Oh, well, gosh, I could never do that. How do you do that? And and as a writer, I, you know, I'm doing videos, which sounds like it doesn't make sense. <laughs> but the video aspect of what I do, um, no, it's not that anyone's necessarily hiring me to do a video for them, but video allows your audience to get a better sense of who you are. I can't tell you the number of people that have seen a video I've done. feel like, Amy, I feel like I know you. You know, yeah, I feel yeah. like because, and and I may be atypical in this way, but I write the way I speak. So to read something I've written will sound like something I would say to you, like we're talking now, it's a conversation. It's, yeah. you know, and, and uh, some people um, have a hard time doing that, either speaking it or writing it because their styles don't jive. So, and that gets back to that sort of personal branding that you, you should have some consistency. If you are a more form formal person, there's nothing wrong with that. The way you write would be that way. And then probably the way that you are on camera would be that way. That yeah. would be expected, right? So um, if you were very different in a video versus how you would present yourself and how you would write an article or an update, that when there's a disconnect like that, I think that's when people get into trouble. Um, yeah. But getting back to your original question, yes, I do think, I still do think that words are always going to be valuable. And I do think... Um, you know, the more that you can combine them, I, I, you know, people learn and uh, digest information in many different ways. So I don't believe you have to pick one or the other. Um, it's often best to supplement that you have both in play. Right, 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 right. Definitely. And uh, for me, as you were saying, there are people uh, for whom it's very difficult to, you know, to write. And uh, I love being in front of the camera and I love talking and asking questions and answering questions and sharing experience. Mm -hmm. But it's really tough to write it down because it needs to be, you still have that feeling that it needs to be so super structured and it mm -hmm. needs to have this and that and this and that. And you, you walk through that paragraph again and again and you keep pushing <laughs> yourself try to perfect it and then it takes you mm -hmm. so much time so I, I can totally relate to people that uh, that uh, decide to go for video only and never touch the words but uh, it's much better also to structure your thoughts there um, a lot of people in business are hiring ghostwriters to write mm -hmm. their books their speeches um, what do you think about that industry because for a while it was very uh, you know, it had a funny reputation. What do you, from the professional standpoint, think about that? Well, as someone who ghostwrites and has clients that hire me yes. to do that, I, I think it's great. And and I'll tell you what, the, the only pushback I've heard from a negative perspective about ghostwriting is people assume that the ghostwriter is doing all of the work. Right. And the way I look at what I do with my clients is, you know, like I, I mentioned, I had a call this morning, or my morning, with um, a client whom is I ghostwrite for. And it's really taking his best ideas that he, we're on the phone, we're having a yeah. conversation. He is a talker, he's a speaker, you know, to take what he's saying and his ideas and just really translating yeah. and translate it into a written form. And, and that's the thing about writers. A lot of us are the best skill that we have is listening. So yeah. it's, you know, it's it's not that, you know, he says, well, write something and I just go off and write something. <laughs> I have to listen very carefully because each of my ghostwriting clients 
has a very different tone of voice. They are not the same person. And if I just had a cookie cutter approach to each piece of content that I wrote for somebody, when I ghostwrite for somebody, what's the point? It doesn't, it won't seem like it's them. And, And the whole point is that it needs to be true to who that person is. So, you know, that particular client is very high energy. The way that you know, he even says an email to me is a l- full of exclamation points and capital <laughs> letters. And he's very expressive. Yeah. And, you know, that that's easy for me. I'm an expressive person too. But I have another client who is not so much like that. Um, she's very mindful and very deliberate with her word choice. Um, and so it's it you have to take a different tack. So I think it's important um, when you're working with a client, when you're ghostwriting for a client, that you make sure you listen so you can get their voice right. And that's, it should, there should, it should be seamless. No one should ever have to guess and, you know, that, oh, that's somebody else wrote that. And I will tell you that it's not really a dirty little secret, but many, many, many famous, famous of people, course. even if they are famous authors, yeah. And writers have ghostwriters simply because they just don't have the bandwidth. They don't yeah. have the time. They may have the great ideas and they can just say quickly, I need to, I, these are my main points and this is what I'm going to do. And, and the more you work with a client um, when you're ghostwriting for them, the better you get. You better, you ha- you deepen the relationship. You understand their perspective and their point of view. And it becomes much easier to help them articulate in written form what they've told you um, verbally. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree. I love it that you also mentioned that the content comes from the client. A lot of content comes from the client and uh, the writer helps to translate it in the written form and make it understandable and fun. And it's a collaboration. And um, yeah, here in Asia, it's still something very, very new. And if people hire, uh, you know, ghostwriter, sometimes it's the person straight from the school or, you know, or they are being treated as research assistants, you know, oh, yes. so it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's very interesting, but it's getting there because finally we have influencers. We have more and more influencers coming from around the, around Asia and they do right. not always have time to also, you know, put together, as you say, it's, it's a completely different skill as well. You need to have very mm-hmm. different skill set. You have all these mm-hmm. ideas, you, you've done all these presentations, but suddenly you need to go back, lock yourself in the room and start writing, right? <laughs> That's so right. right now, I hear so much for people, basically five years ago, people never spoke about ghostwriting here in Asia, uh, or mm-hmm. at least, uh, let's say Hong Kong, China, that region. But right now I hear it more and more. So it's getting there. It's super, super exciting. Um, so how long does it take to write, let's say, a book of uh, 150 or 200 pages based on your experience? I would say to ghostwrite a book, I mean, well, we first have to come to a place where, you know, we have some sort of template and I, and I have something in, you know, in the works where you can start with that and say, it's going to work best if we do it this way, because what can happen with a book is that someone may have a great idea, but they really don't have, they haven't, don't have the depth of content to support that. So it really helps to break it down into chapters and then within each chapter sections, almost that you could repurpose those sections as standalone articles, that they can stand alone on their own, that they would make sense. So that's sort of the test of it. But I would say, depending on back and forth, maybe eight weeks to put a first draft together um, to do it that way. Um, and, and again, it, it depends on client to client, but that's that's a probably a pretty good estimate if you're working consistently on that right. um, every day. 
by this time, I think all of our listeners are extremely excited. And there is one question <laughs> that they have. How much? <laughs> Give us a range, you know? I mean, well, I mean, I, I think it depends on, on who you are working with and what your expectation is. But, right. you know, like I said, if uh, I don't want to necessarily quote, if somebody is truly interested <laughs> and they, you know, have a, a nonfiction business related type of book that they would like to get, uh, you know, put together, they can certainly contact me. But you know, it's in the tens of thousands. I will say that be just because it is, it's a tremendous amount of work. Um, and if it were stand like I said, if these sections can stand alone as their own pieces of content, yeah. rather than just be sort of the continuation of one idea, you know, if you look at it that way, you have a huge series of that. And that, that is something you work with clients on is if you do it in this, if you're writing a short book and you do it in this manner, and if you do it correctly, you can repurpose this content so it's it's worth its weight instead of now I have to hire somebody else to write these articles. You can take those chunks and take those standalone things and you can make them an article. You can make them a blog post. You can pull out certain pull quotes and you can use them on Twitter. You can you can use that content and that is something that's really important, you know, because the clients that I work with, really what they're asking for and what their desire is in terms of a goal is to um, increase, you know, their um, reputation as a thought leader, and right. they're per- they want to strengthen their personal brands. And the way to do that is to have a consistent and disciplined presence on social media. That's the primary distribution channel. You can have mm. your own website. You can have that, but or, but you need to drive people there, and you need to have you know people talking about it and having engagement. So using platforms like LinkedIn, where right. a lot of business people, depending on where your audience gathers. It could be Instagram, it could be other places, um, but you want to be able to repurpose that content and use it across different media, uh, social media platforms. It just makes sense. It's more efficient. Otherwise, you'd be you know, pulling your hair out. You'd be going crazy trying to do this. You spend all your time writing a book, but then you have, now I have to create something to go with this. So you would be able to tease that out and, um, you know, cross promote on these different platforms and these different mediums and different, uh, short form, long form content ways. So right. I hope that answered your question. Well, the question was how much and you didn't even I, give I a range. Tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. So tens, it is, it isn't something yeah. for, you know, and I, you know, you mentioned in Hong Kong, it's, it's, it's changing in Asia, sort of the perception, but I will tell you in the U S you know, if you're and certainly this is true anywhere, anyone can write a book, but if you're looking for a book that will gain you um, an audience and bring clients your way and help position you as a thought leader. Right. You want to work with a writer that will help you shine, that will put right. your best foot forward, that isn't just going to take a small sum of money just to do it and check it off the list and you'll never hear from them again. You want a partner in this process. And I, when I work with my clients, it's I'm a thinking partner too. It's not just that I'm a writer. A lot of what I do happens a lot. It's strategy. It's advisory. It's, you know, steering them and away from something or to something that, you know, this is probably better if it's handled this way or if we tackle this. Um, it's protecting them and putting their best foot forward. You, you just, you never want to set your client up to fail. And I would never just take a job just to get a quick buck knowing right. that, oh, that's not, that's going to be horrible. I, 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 that's not who I am. And I would never want a client to have a bad experience and use content that I helped, you know, co-create with them. Um, that wouldn't, that wouldn't deliver on what they were hoping. So Absolutely. in many ways you will get what you pay for, but you've heard, I'm sure you've heard that yeah. before. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And from other sources and from working with writers around the world, I just want to tell our listeners that it's, yeah, it can be, you know, 10,000, it can be 50,000, right? So because in right. tens of thousands, that sounds a bit way, but somewhere between those two numbers right. is what I would charge, right? right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So somewhere between those two numbers. So guys, these are US dollars we're talking about, not Hong Kong dollars. So prepare for that investment if you're writing a fantastic book with a good, good, good writer. Um, beautiful. And you, uh, have you ever authored a book by yourself? I've not yet. Um, but and I, what is the reason? <laughs> <laughs> well, I focus more in the short form content and, um, you know, I've, I've had different ideas bubble up and, and it's not to say that someone isn't working right now, Ashley, on different things, but, um, I've co-authored a book right. recently, but it's a little, it's non-traditional kind of business book, but, uh, you know, they, I have done that. So that was the first publishing entree that I've had in terms of the books. I've been focused more on clients than my own. That's fantastic. That's good. Thank you for contributing to the industry and contributing <laughs> to thought leaders and being the real, you know, the real doctor because patients come to you and they have a problem and you just help them. Thank you for that. Um, so you just mentioned earlier social media and you said it's extremely important to redistribute and break down that content and basically share it on social media because this is such an important channel to reach the audience. What is your favorite social media and why? Well, I would never have thought I would say this, but I it has to be LinkedIn. Um, it's, <laughs> why it's you have funny never be, thought? Well, because I will tell you what, I've, I'm old enough and been around long enough where when LinkedIn first came out, and people still think of it this way, it was simply an online CV, an online yeah. resume. That was, HR. you know, and, and the only time that you would actually be on the platform is when you were looking for a job. And <laughs> it was almost a joke. They'd be like, are you on LinkedIn? Are you looking for a job? What are you doing? You know, even if you had a job currently. And it has really transformed itself into a content creation and sharing platform where people go on there to join their communities, to interact, to deepen relationships. And because obviously it's a global platform, you have an opportunity to connect with people everywhere. And, right. you know, and, and as a writer, I, I, you know, started publishing there and, and, you know, some of the Thrive Global and Medium, but I will tell you, I do no outbound selling or advertising of my services. I get, aside from my referrals, which I do get a lot of referral clients, I get all of my business from LinkedIn because that is where business people gather. That I mean, they gather in other spots, but you know, business to business and the, the clients that um, I am trying to get in front of are there and they're consuming my content they're reading what I write or they're seeing a video and, and then they're reaching out to me. And this has happened again and again and again. And I'm active on other platforms, but by a huge margin, LinkedIn has been my favorite because I've been able to serve through my content. And there's a distinct difference here. So I, you know, I'm not selling outright selling. And I do believe with content, um, there's a there's a very low threshold for people if you are constantly yeah. selling yourself pushing yourself, you know, it's just like when you connect with somebody and they immediately hit you up a sales request or want something, right. and you're very turned off. I mean, people, people are, I, I know I am. 
So, you know, my policy is to serve, not sell with my content. And and that's that's actually done very well for me because people resonate. They go, oh, I like that. And I like what you have to say in your perspective. And then they come to me and then I'm able to work with them. But, um, you know, it, it's true though. Like, I, yeah, LinkedIn, it's, it's amazing what's happening. And you mentioned video. It used to be they started with, they opened up the platform to, um, for us to write articles. Yeah. And then it became sort of this switch where people started using the updates and you have 1300 characters. So, um, you can write an article, but then when the ability to write a short, um, update came into play, I, I experimented, I always experiment and I, I'm such a little data geek that I keep track in, you know, a Google <laughs> sheet of all of my content pieces and, you know, what the stats are, because I want to see what's, what are people engaging with most? What, what makes the most sense? And right. When the updates came to play and I started using those and I'd repurpose some older articles into shorter, sort of distill it down to the, whatever the one takeaway was through the updates, they started gaining huge traction and lots of um, interaction because I think everyone is so busy, right? Being busy. We all have things going on. And a lot of the time, uh, people are consuming content on their phones, it's not necessarily they're sitting in front of their uh, laptop and they're able to look at something that, that's on their phone. So something quick and yeah. snappy that gets the point across, it, it become very popular. And then the same thing then, the next iteration from that was when they introduced video to the mm-hmm. platform. And video, obviously, they were the, one of the last social media platforms to even have video. I mean, it had been around on you know Snapchat and, and Instagram and Facebook, all these other platforms had video capabilities. But I think because just the nature of LinkedIn being really traditionally a business to business platform and being a professional platform, it was able to smartly evolve itself into content creation and sharing that when video um, was introduced, and I think I got access because I didn't think everyone had access at first. I think I got access in July. And, you know, I was had been writing and was fine with that. But the idea of doing a video, I thought, oh my gosh, can I even do this? And I hemmed and all. That's going to be different, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, and it was, you know, it, it just was, that, what am I supposed to do it on? You know, I can write anything. And, you know, I was so worried about having, because I help people, right, with their personal brands and you want to put your best foot forward. Does it have to be super polished? Should I worry about with this? And I finally ended up doing my first video and really, what I talked about, it was only about a minute, was, you know, about being perfectly imperfect, that instead of worrying so much about the perfect lighting and the perfect this, you should really just get your message out there. Yeah. And I, that that in itself, I had no idea. I thought, okay, I'll just put it out there and see what happens. My first video, like, people really liked it, I think, because they can identify with, she's just Amy. She's just being real. She's just one of us. You know, she's it's just like, another, it's just, yeah, yeah, is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you don't, you don't, and there's really this this trend in this, I hope it's not just a trend, but it's actually a movement towards more authenticity, that there is, a, you know, people are very afraid, everybody puts out a very curated presence on social media, and right. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, you shouldn't, you know, shouldn't be awful pictures of you partying. <laughs> you <laughs> on LinkedIn. Right. But, but showing some human, humanness, some humanity and a little bit of vulnerability and authenticity, that helps people connect. So I, I see it firsthand when I did that first video and the subsequent pieces of content I've written or shared in video form, that's what really resonates with people, that you are a real person. 
And I think from my client's perspective, I, I, I coach them the same way. I said, you know, it's, it's okay to show a little bit of who you are because at the end of the day, there's only one Ashley, there's only one Amy, there's really yeah. only one of you and that's who you are. So really use that to your advantage. And I tell my clients that I would tell them that about their brands, about their companies is really find that point of difference and, and, you know, and connect with that and, and be real and be more authentic and um, don't be afraid of that. Because if you try to be all things to all people, you're going to be nothing. Yeah. Nothing to no one. You'll be very watered down presence and, and you won't stand out. People will not remember you. They they don't even know what you stand for. Oh, just another whatever dime a dozen. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 really that connection, and I think that LinkedIn has really facilitated that through a sense of community, through their events now that they're having all over the world, the LinkedIn locals about taking that offline or taking the online relationships offline. Offline, too. yeah. Yeah, which no, the, deepens them, and then it grows them online even more. So it's this really beautiful cycle that feeds itself. Absolutely, I totally agree, uh, and that's a great summary of what LinkedIn has done in the past, let's say, three years. This transformation from an HR heavy mm-hmm. platform to a thought leadership platform—that's where thought leaders hang out. That's how that's many right. of my friends are, you know, reading the news these days. They don't want to go to BBC; they go to LinkedIn and check out what's up in my industry. What are the thought leaders saying? And I am consuming Amy's content uh, and uh, it's fantastic because uh, you put out so much, uh, you put out those videos and, you know, there's subtitles and there's a little um, description that basically is easy to read and easy to understand. What program mm-hmm. are you using to transcript your 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 videos? So um, it's funny because the first videos I did had no captions and right. I, and I asked the community of LinkedIn, I asked my, what, you know, what do you think caption? It was still very new. And, and people said, please captions. And it's some for the reasons you might imagine, but some for not. So there are some that, you know, you cannot hear. So they, right. they appreciate having the captions. But like I mentioned earlier, a lot of people are consuming content on, on their, their phones, phone, or yeah. even if they're, you know, say sitting at work in their desk, they don't necessarily want or can have the sound on to compete with <laughs> whatever's <laughs> happening in the background. So having captions is a way that helps people, you know, really see what you're saying, obviously, um, in a way that uh, it makes it easy to to really digest your information. But the uh, program I'm using, and there are a lot of different ways to do this, but I will tell you you end up going with what works and what is easy. So I have an iPhone. I shoot all of my videos on my iPhone. Uh-huh. And there is an app, a free app called Clips. I'm using the same the one. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay, yes, you, so it's it's very easy. So it, you know, you can turn the captioning on or off, as you know, and and you can um it just as you speak, it auto-generates the captions and then you can you later can go back and it. edit. Yeah, you can't. You must go back and edit because I will tell you it doesn't <laughs> know right, and you want to be careful with some of the. Like, it does I not understand that? you very well. It does not understand you very well. But uh, we, I mean, you can definitely edit, and that's what I love about it because there are other platforms like Clipomatic, etc., and you cannot edit those subtitles, and it's just horrible. Uh, you come, you come out, and you say all the wrong things because it doesn't understand you. Uh, yes, yeah. 
<laughs> funny. Absolutely yeah. beautiful. That's it. that's it. And it makes it easy to do just one-stop shopping on your phone and you can add other stickers or other banners if you want to get fancy or um, add music. They have uh, royalty-free music that you can add as a background track, which is nice to kind of blend it all together. You can, as the name suggests, clips. You can shoot multiple clips and edit them together. You can clip the ends to, 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 to make it a little tighter. So it's a really, it's a great, I mean, for a free tool, I've recommended this to so many people. I feel like I should be getting a kickback from clips. <laughs> from clips. If you're it. listening to us right now, Amy clips. really needs <laughs> I recommend to get so many times. yeah to get something out of you guys because she is the spokesperson here for clips right. and Ashley too as well. That's right. Ashley and Amy, your brand spokespeople. So <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. And um, you are a female entrepreneur. And you write for both male and female uh, entrepreneurs and clients. Is there a difference the way men and women work? There's a lot of talk about this, you know, gender bias. And uh, we are, I'm, I'm very passionate about empowering more women in business and leadership. So do you see the differences? Well, I will tell you this. Um, I have seen differences and probably like you and every other woman who's listening to this, I've dealt with my fair share of men clients, colleagues, you know, peers that, that just aren't, you know, the most evolved creatures on earth. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's um, the, the, the greatest thing and one of the best pieces of advice I was given was really to be choosy about your clients. And it's not necessarily that you have to work with all women or must work with men, but I will tell you that the male clients that I have, like that one client I mentioned today, favorite client. I mean, it's it really doesn't have to do so much with gender as right. it does with respect and trust. And um, I, I let me see, at this point, do I have more female? Probably about 50-50, maybe a slightly leaning towards more female clients at this point. But it, it's, it's a mix, certainly. Um, I will say it really depends on the individual. Um, I have had very hard-charging female clients that are very like, let's do this now, do this. And I've had male clients that are very emotional and softer and, you know, what you would trip typically if someone were to stereotype gender roles, they would flip those. <laughs> so I really think it depends on the individuals. Um, but I, I do love working with women, obviously as a female entrepreneur, I love especially other female entrepreneurs, founders of companies that really are trying to establish themselves and break through any sort of glass ceilings, any molds they've had, because I've dealt with it. I deal with it on, on social media too, but even when I was in the corporate world of just, you know, some, oh, well, you know, it, it, it becomes a little bit condescending sometimes right, or people talking down to you or not believing or, or they just, you know, you're, oh, you're a blonde woman. So. You, oh you yeah. We get that a lot, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, no, actually I'm quite bright, you know, but it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, I think a lot of it, I, I haven't noticed a huge difference. Um, and when I have, when it's gotten to a point, particularly with a male client where I can see that it's not going, I've parted ways and been able to do it in such a way that it, everybody's happy, take the high road. But I will tell you when I've done that, I've had a sen immediate sense of relief that I know yeah. I should have trusted my gut earlier and, and not let it go as far as it's gone because it's not worth it. And, you know, I, I think that Women sometimes, they want to make the best of the situation. And I, I definitely, I'm a very positive person. I see the best in people. 
So if I have a blind spot, it might just be that someone's kind of a jerk, but you know, well, maybe they're just having a rough day. So (laughs) I'm trying to be better about that. But I will tell you the clients that I do have, I absolutely love. And I think there is something to what you put out in the world is what you get back. Get in, yeah. So the kind of clients that I tend to attract, I tend to really love that they're very positive also and they see in me something that that spark that they want to latch onto and they want more of that for their own content, either that they feel that way inside but can't express themselves or maybe they see that, gosh, I need a little bit more humanity in the way yeah, that I'm communicating. Yeah. And Amy, I think you can help me get there. Oh, this is so beautiful. It's a, it's a true partnership, right? It's a true That's partnership right. when, you, when, you, when you're working together. And uh, I, I think it's not only writing, it's also if you are in any creative business, being be designing or yes. social media management or, you know, creative agencies, advertising agencies, there are two ways to work with your agency. One way is it's their job and let them deliver. And the second one is let's partner and let's get mm-hmm. there together. And the second one always wins. <laughs> always. So much better. It's always so much better to collaborate. Always. Always. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, if somebody is hiring an external writer or internal or looking for an internal writer, or copywriter, ghostwriter, um, mm-hmm. what shall they pay attention to? How to choose well, the best one? The first thing I would do um, is I, I would read their content, you know, to yeah. see if you, I mean, that may be obvious, but you, you should see how they're writing. And um, and, the, and here's the, the little glitch with ghostwriters. So when I ghostwrite for a client, I do not disclose that they're my client because I'm protecting them. I'm ghostwriting for them. I would never want to put them in a position that they would feel like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm found out or something because people do have this still the stigma attached to it. Yeah. So I'm the one thing that I'm asked when people are to me is, well, can you send me what, you know, what you've written for somebody else? And I say, absolutely not. My clients are confidential, but I write a lot under my own name and you can get a sense of my style if you see. And many of my clients, the ghostwriting clients come to me because of that. So there's that little bit of like catch 22, you can't do that. But if you're looking for a writer, you would first want to read what they've written, see, you know, their samples, whether they have a blog or they, you know, they post on social media or if they can share things that are, you know, more corporate in nature, they're a content writer, a copywriter for a company and then something and they can send links to that. But I think you'd want to get a sense of their style. And if that is something that it, you know, really resonates and jives with what you're trying to do. So you can appreciate somebody's writing and their style, but it might not be the right format for what you need. So, you know, what I try to do when I uh, talk to someone initially, if somebody reaches out to me, I you know, thank them and say, you know, here's how I typically work with clients. And here's some of the things that I do, you know, is that what you're looking for? And if so, let's set up an initial call. And then when we talk, it, you know, becomes very clear, you know, do we, do we as two human beings, you know, are we connecting? Are we able to, are we going to be able to work together? What are they looking for? So, um, and that's, that's really that listening components. Like, okay, what I'm hearing is you want this. And do you say that? Cause sometimes they'll write and they'll say they want something. And then in the course of a conversation, something else will be completely differently revealed. I had a, a CEO, female CEO, um, of a company reach out to me recently, recently asking me about something specific. And, you know, it became really clear to me that she wanted a technical writer. 
right. um, which is not something I do. I mean, I guess I could do it, but I, that's not my expertise. I'm much more emotive and more of a narrative and there's a different, different style. So I suggested a colleague that I knew and she was like, okay, great, but wait a minute, but what do you really do? And we started talking more and then that translated into, no, what she really is looking for is help, you know, to become a thought leader in the, again, in ghostwriting. So she came to me for one thing. So but that's not a technical, person. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, sometimes people are not really sure what they want, but they, they're attracted to some element. So read the read the content, see what works, contact that writer. And then, you know, if you have an idea and you're, even if you're not quite sure, it's a good idea to just reach out. And a good writer will help kind of distill down. That's what you do as a ghostwriter too. You take a huge amount of talking and conversation. And, and I still take handwritten notes every time I have a client call. I just, my, my brain works that way. Yeah. Because I hear it through my ears. I'm listening. I'm, you know, they can't see me often. It's, um, we're doing a Skype call if it's international or, you know, if it's in the U S it's a phone call, but I'm taking notes so I can get their cadence down. I can get down their tone of voice. I can get sort of the way they use their words, the patterns, a lot of things that maybe they don't even think about the way they communicate. Yeah. And then Really, it's listening through their words to say, but okay, you're saying this, but what do you really want? So a good writer is also a good listener and somebody that can really discern out what it is that what your goal is and will ask you outright, what, what, what is your goal? What do you want to say? What do you want to do with this? And then help you get there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally agree. What about the platforms? What are some platforms where people could go to actually you know, see some writers if, if if they don't have anyone in particular in their mind right now, are there places yeah. they could go? Oh, of course. So, I mean, LinkedIn obviously is a huge platform for writers right now. Um, so you could certainly start there. Um, I, I, I use that obviously. And then I'm also writing on Thrive Global, but that's a little different, different sense. It depends on what you want to look for. So B2B, certainly business focused content on, uh, LinkedIn, Thrive Global, um, is more about balance and wellness It's still, you know, balancing your life and sort of job and everything in between. And then also medium, um, is a yeah. great platform that's had several different iterations and that has a huge world universe of content. So you can, depending on the types of things you can search by hashtag or different, different subject areas and the same with Thrive Global or even LinkedIn, depending on what you're looking for. Um, you can look by industry or by keyword or, um, your interest. So those are the three main ones that I always recommend. Right. But are there some, uh, let's say, trip advisors for writers where you can see the ranking or you can see the, you know, the list of writers by the region or by the category, like a speaker's bureau, essentially. Is there a writer's bureau? (laughs) Ashley, I think that's a great idea. I don't know that one (laughs) other than, you know, on LinkedIn, you could certainly uh, search for writer by region. And again, that's just going to pull up you know, by, by their profile content, you could do that. Um, but but that's an easy way to do that. But, um, no, I don't know that there, I mean, other than if you have a writer's name in mind, like if you went to my profile on LinkedIn, you could see the number of endorsements that I have. You could see the recommendations that I've been given by, you know, other people, Uh, short of going to, um, a person's personal website, you know, a writer's website, they'll often have those things on their profile. And I mean, and since it's business related, they would want to tout that. I would think that's an easy way to see what other people think 
Um, that's probably the closest you'll get to a trip advisor for writers. Yeah, I do like yeah. that though. I think I might write that down. That might be a business idea. Right that's there, a business idea up for grabs. Uh, <laughs> all of our listeners and Amy, I mean, just go ahead. I think it's needed. And the the more we go forward, the more stories, the more um, you know, people would start doing personal branding, the more we will need writers and we will need to have some, you know, some place where we can just arrive and pick and choose and contact and then go and work together. Because just like code mentor, I mean, if coders have it, writers deserve it. Yeah, no, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, you're right. Because they have for speakers bureaus, that that is a good idea, Ashley. I like that. <laughs> um, well, you know what happens oftentimes and sh- because that does not exist yet is that um, people will start asking friends, you know, do you know, right? So it becomes yeah, more of a word of mouth word and of referral. Mouth. Like I mentioned, like I, I do get a lot of my, my current clients refer me to their friends and their clients. And so that happens in that way. Um, but you're right. Uh, it would be really kind of a cool idea to have a trip advisor for writers. So that's, I, I did write that down. You think I'm joking, but I really do. If you could see my no, pad of no. paper right If you now. execute it, send me the link after, and we're going to put it under this podcast. If you, if you, if you actually realize that business idea, I'd be very, very happy. Um, what are some of the top resources you would uh, suggest our listeners to check out if they want to become better writers themselves, business writers? Um, sure. Any books, any blogs? I, I will tell you one of the best tools that I use, um, and I use it because everybody needs an editor, right, um, is a site called Grammarly.com, yeah. G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y. And it, there's a free version of it. I, I pay a little more to have a more um, deeper sort of uh, search. But what you can do is you can either write directly into this um, uh, website or you can cut and paste content if you've written something in a Google Doc or a Word document that you can cut and paste. And it will check the grammar. It will check the word usage. It will, you know, see – it will give you some idea of um, – you know, if your word usage is, if it's awkward or gosh, there, or just there's something that, oh, you forgot this or even a misspelled word or you have a double word. It's just a nice little check. And um, there are other ones I, I don't use. I've heard of Hemingway.com. It's a similar thing. And I, mm-hmm. I want to say that they give you um, uh, like a a grade le- like a, a certain grade level, like oh, this this a uh, content is you're writing at this sort of level for this age group, you know that it, you know, mm. a ten year old could understand what you're writing versus an eighteen year old or something. So you have those, um, and then in terms of there is something called a headline analyzer, that's yeah. a free tool also, um, because especially when you're writing articles. So much depends on your headline and having a catchy, not just a catchy headline, but something that grabs somebody in and invites them in. So um, this, that is a tool that you can type in a headline and it will give you a rating and a score from zero to a hundred. And it uses a few different metrics for it. Um, the types of words, the length um, of the, the thing, and, and, and it will tell you, you, you get this kind of a score in these different quadrants, like, oh, well, you got a zero here, but you got you know 30 points here. And you can yeah. try different iterations of the same headline 
to see what's, you know, if it's more action oriented and it's a call to action, will it score better? And it will tell you. And that I've done that not only for myself, but some of my clients' work just to give them an idea of, you know, this one is, this one has, you know, this one's scoring at 90 versus 60. And maybe you want to consider this. So those are a few things. Um, and I, I'd like to offer those free things. And certainly there are books that you can um, read, classic things um, uh, on writing. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I think you can have the best bit of prose or writing, but if it's, you know, goes on and on, or it has many grammatical errors, you'll lose your reader. And unfortunately you'll water down your message. So it's again about presenting yourself in the best possible light. So using these tools, uh, the free tools, or if you, if you're writing a lot, upgrading, um, to have something do a deeper d- dive and search for you just sort of protects you and helps you sort of feel more confident short of hiring a copy editor, which I know people too. I can totally recommend that um, yeah. if that's something that's really important and you want to ensure that, you, again, it's perfect because it's tough to be your own editor. I will tell you, we miss things, yeah. you know, you can read it through. Or, and one of the best tricks if you're going to do that is to read your content backwards. Because backwards, backwards mm. because you'll catch, um, you know, the wrong word usage, the wrong there used there, or a double the the or something that you wouldn't normally. You'll just if you read the normal way, um, you might otherwise miss. Keep your attention, way. yeah. Mm-hmm. And people might be sitting there and said, "Okay, hiring an editor and hiring a writer. What's the difference?" Mm, okay, so well, a writer puts together your content. A copy. And there's, and there's two different kinds of editors. So there's a copy editor and a content editor. So a copy editor is probably what most people think of as an editor. They are someone that would, I, I don't think they still do this, but you would take a red pen. Just be grammarly. You, know, <laughs> you need to, you know, this is, you know, you need a run on sentence or this is a, you know, this is a misspelling or you need to change this word order. It's, it's really about presenting the copy in a way that is grammatically correct and will um, is a clean read. Uh, a content editor has a little more strategy involved. It's how you're presenting your information, how you're presenting your content. And it may be that you have great content, but you know what it needs. There's this section is too long, and and this comes into play especially with books, where you know that doesn't go there. That needs to be taken out. You need to streamline to make sure that you're making your point. You're getting your point across. So they are not the ones that will fix your grammar, but they will say the flow is wrong and the content isn't, you know, the content needs to be edited in such a way that you have one takeaway here. You, that would be, you're, you're, you're going on and on, but you're not making your point that needs to be called down that way. So there's two different editors in that way. So that's the difference between those two editors. The writer would be the one to actually create. Put it together for you. Translate your your thoughts. Editors are sort of the ones that Make sure that you look good. <laughs> yeah, sure that yeah. And the writer no will will write and edit as well. So it's going to be that's the right. final perfect copy for you to go ahead and use. That's that's beautiful. Absolutely. The last question of today, Amy, uh, if people would like to work with you, where do they find you? Give us the shameless plug of your business. We want to know. <laughs> Well, you can certainly find me on LinkedIn. I'm there every day um, and you can certainly find me there. But I do maintain my own website, which is amyblashka.com. That's my my first and last name. And if you'd like to email me or contact me there, um, you can send me an email to amy, A-M-Y, 
at amyblashka.com. And my full name is A-M-Y, B as in boy, L-A-S as in Sam, C-H-K-A.com. Perfect. And, and we put all that information below the podcast. Very good. And what kind of clients right. shall be contacting you? Who do you want to work with more? I, you know, my favorite clients are the ones that have a very strong sense of what they want to communicate and with whom they'd like to communicate, but they have neither the bandwidth or the skill set to, to articulate that in a written sense. So, um, it makes it very easy when they're clear on their goals and they, I want to be a thought leader or I am a thought leader, but I need to do more of this. And I'm a busy CEO or founder and I'm traveling around and I'm doing this, I just need someone to be my right hand and to make sure that I am being very conscious of sharing my knowledge. You know, often they're the ones speaking, but they need to back that up and make sure they're consistently publishing content that will support them and that people will, you know, that that helps them um, do their jobs better and um, attract the right audiences to them, whether they're investors or clients or... um, peers to collaborate with. That's fantastic. Amy, thank you very much for this very interesting talk. We have learned so much about the writing industry, ghostwriters, copywriting, and how to be better at all that. Great value shared. Guys, thank you for listening and staying with us today. Do subscribe to Ashley Talks um, podcast, share it with your friends, and stay tuned for next Wednesday. We're going to continue talking with more people from 30 under 30 Forbes list. So stay tuned. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.